well, thanks for thinking I'm rad and cool. Love it. Yes. It's your host, Natalia. Um, Today, I am... Well, welcome back to the show, More Than a Pretty Face. Today, I'm here with the incredible and gorgeous uh, Madison Malone. Um, She is a singer-songwriter based out of L.A., and I'm really, really excited to get to talk to her today. Madison, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, sorry. It just... (laughs) It just skipped. (laughs) What a beautiful intro. (laughs) And all of a sudden... (laughs) How we're doing it in COVID now. Mm-hmm. If you asked how I'm doing, I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wonderful. I asked you That's to um, introduce yourself. Okay, well, hello. I'm Madison Malone. Yes, as Natalia said, I'm a singer-songwriter, producer, composer, um, all of the above. Anything you can think of in music, I'm, I'm probably involved in some way and live out here in Los Angeles and... I'm on this awesome journey. <laughs> so how did you get started? Yeah, well, technically, the first time I ever sang in public, I was 10. I sang uh, Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid at mm-hmm. my talent show. I love that. And yeah, and it, it was the first time anybody had heard me besides Max and, you know, family members and mm-hmm. stuff. And kind of from there, then I feel like I was known as a singer in my hometown mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. And no, it's not. I didn't pursue it at that age. I just sang at the annual talent show then that mm-hmm. happened every year until high school. And then in high school, um, I was working, or I was just doing high school things. I was working at a camping resort, like an RV park, and was like a bartender and a receptionist and a janitor and all this other stuff. And at the same time, my uncle had asked me to perform at his bar. He owned a bar downtown in my hometown and said hey if you want to sing here some nights I'll pay you 50 bucks and you can put out a tip jar and I'll mm-hmm. give you a free pizza so I was like oh okay I'm totally doing that so the free pizza Uncle got Kevin, you yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Uncle Kevin at the Blarney Stone I'm like you know what 15 16 year old doesn't want free pizza and 50 dollars I mean mm-hmm. hey I'm here for it I, I mean I'm 26 I still want that yep <laughs> <laughs> um and so I started doing that and uh, I would do that, you know, twice a month maybe. And as I was doing that, other bars and restaurants and local, um, like, community gatherings and fairs asked me to sing at those places. So I started Mm -hmm. doing that. And then I decided to go to college. I went to the University of Mm Wisconsin-Madison. And while I was double majoring in Spanish and social work, I was also performing, like, four to six times a week. So I'd, I'd have all my classes in the morning and then at like four o'clock I'd stop doing whatever and I'd go to a bar whether it was in Madison or an hour or two hours or three hours away and I'd go play at a bar or a restaurant or um, a club or whatever for you know anywhere between two to five hours mm-hmm. and then I'd drive back home go to sleep wake up go to class and I did that in um, college for three years and it ended up I started touring in LA and Denver Minneapolis you know Chicago all these places and finally my senior year my parents were like are you sure you want to finish school (laughs) like you're really busy you're supposed to go to Nashville you're going to be gone for nine weeks first semester and I was like you know what nah (laughs) music is my thing I'll just I'll keep following that and at the end of my senior year I moved out to LA like September of 2016 and I've been here for three years it'll be four years in September Oh my gosh. I like, I can't imagine. So we graduated college the same year and I'm, (laughs) and so I'm thinking like me at 21, I literally moved down the street from my college. You could literally see my college. (laughs) And it was like, so, and that was like a big jump for me, let alone moving across the country to pursue a dream. And how did, how did you do that? You know, like I think moving across the country is no easy feat. I, I, 
I just kind of, well, the real story is I was, so it was like spring break, what would have been spring break of mm-hmm. my senior year. I was in Asheville on like a hike or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took it, I fell asleep on top of this mountain and then I woke <laughs> up and the minute I woke up, woke up, I said, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. It kind of came out of nowhere. It just came to me. And my whole life, I've been obsessed with California, like the sunshine. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, Disney stuff and movies and Mm -hmm. all that. And that's, you know, out here and music. And I've always been a California girl at heart. So I knew that I loved that. But it just kind of came to me one day that if if I want to take this thing seriously, I have to go to where the industry is Mm -hmm. and try it because I don't want to just keep playing the same festivals, doing the same stages, you know, all that. I, I want to grow and challenge myself. So it was hard. I didn't know. I knew two people when I moved out here. And um, it's that we, they weren't even, one was a really good friend from college, but the other one, like, I didn't really know. So I just came out here and started going to open mics and coffee shops and bars and just talking to people every single night. And then it just kept turning into things and... It's a small town. You meet people fast here, and you can't walk in without meeting an artist. Like mm-hmm. most people, you meet are artists out here or involved in the industry in some way. So it's it's as long as you are nice and hardworking, you can <laughs> you know meet anybody and turn it into something. Really. So what kind of was? I guess when you felt like you were like, oh, okay, this is my thing, because you said that you you know you were in college and you started driving the shows and stuff but what was like that first moment or was it like someone offered you to play a show that happened to be like an hour and away and you were like oh an hour's not bad like I can totally drive an hour and then it turned to two hours and it turned to three hours like well because I kind of just made I made the decision when I was in college like okay instead of um because in high school I had started doing my gay game more frequently like Mm -hmm. two to three times a month Mm-hmm. But then when I got into college, I moved into Madison. So there was that many more restaurants, that many more bars. I grew mm-hmm. up in a town of like 8,000 people. So mm-hmm. there's not that many things around that vicinity. So then when I got to Madison, there were a lot of towns around Madison, a lot more places I could sing and play. And um, it, it was good money. So I was like, this is a great college job to have as well. Like mm-hmm. instead of waiting tables or sitting at a desk, like I did part of high school as well, like. I can actually be out there and singing and performing. And the same sort of thing, the reason I went into social work was because I love, you know, helping people and um, I'm a positive person, so I know that I can bring positivity to other people as well. Uh, And so that, you know, social work kind of grounded me in that, but then music was doing the same thing. Every time I played a show, somebody would come up to me and be like, thank you, I was having a bad day today, but you played that song, and it was my mom's favorite song. She passed away 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. so it made me think of her, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm helping people through music, too. And then kind of the last straw of being like, yeah, music is how I'm going to help people. Um, So I had a few internships um, through social work the social work major and one of them was at the Dane County uh juvenile delinquent center mm-hmm. and so my junior year I was in taking kids who were coming in who had created or had committed crimes and it was just really difficult to like I saw a 14 year old you know in shackles around his hands and his and like he's 14 and yeah he did something bad but do we really have to treat kids like this it was just I had my mind blown a little bit and there was another court appearance where this kid was crying and his mom was just talking on the phone because she was too upset to come to the court case and I was like this is all Mm. too much and I looked out the window and I was like you know what (laughs) I want to save people and help people but I don't have the backbone to be able to be in this line of work mm-hmm. so then right there too I kind of was like maybe it's not social work and maybe <laughs> the real crux of it is that I want to help people and that, so at the same time music was showing me hey you can you know spread positivity through music too mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be through policy or law or whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah 
That's so nice. I think, because I agree with you, because I think so often we think of so many traditional ways that yeah. we have that we have to help people, you know, and the social work comes to mind and the policy comes to mind, and that may not always be the way that you can do it. Maybe that's not your, your specific way and exactly. talent to do it. And that's, I think a lot of us realize that probably too late than, like, you know, than, than when we're younger and, like, we have more freedom and flexibility to, to move across the country and, like, go and try these things. And we realize mm-hmm. that, like, way too late. Um, yeah. Well, ooh, it's never too late. But <laughs> but the but the part of – because I feel that sometimes, too. I'm like, oh, if I would have just known in high school that it's just going to be music, then maybe I would have moved out to L.A., you know, mm-hmm. four years earlier. And who then I would have been here for eight years by now. And who knows where I'd be now. And it's like you can't think like that either because I think no matter when you come to the conclusion of who you are, like that epiphany, it's mm-hmm. um, everything that you did before – fuels that you know like if I hadn't taken all these classes or hadn't majored in that or hadn't moved to Madison first like moving to Madison even though it was 30 minutes from my hometown it was really hard I hated being away from my family Mm -hmm. I did not like I didn't like it so if I think about if I had moved to LA at 18 Mm -hmm. I think I would have hated LA at first because I hadn't gone through the transition of moving moving out of your childhood home like and so I think all of it just leads to where you're going to end up anyway and then Mm -hmm. it's okay whatever the path is so what was um when did you first I gotta I guess like started writing your own music um I just kind of always have been I have a bunch of notebooks from when I was like eight or Mm -hmm. twelve where I just scribbled stuff down and yeah I always had feelings and had diaries so I wrote it out (laughs) Um, and when was the first time that you played one of your own songs? And what was that like for you? Oh, I was 17. I had gone through a breakup. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Guarded. And my heart was guarded because I was still in love with my mm-hmm. ex. So I couldn't fall in love with anybody else. And I <laughs> wrote this little dramatic pop song. Mm-hmm. And um, I had started writing it in math class, like uh, Algebra 2 or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next weekend, I had a gig at my at the Blarney Stone, my uncle's bar, and I w- threw it in there with the covers. So I was singing, you know, only covers for three hours, and then I was like, "I'm gonna sneak in my own song," and then it, so I can hide <laughs> it. Like people, people yeah. don't know all the covers I play, and they might think this is just by somebody else. So I like snuck it in and just played it. And people clapped like normal afterwards, but I was like, ha 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 ha, just sang <laughs> one of my songs, and it wasn't nerve wracking because nobody knew that I wrote it. And um, but actually, you know, it's a really I love that song. Still, I haven't played it for a long time, but mm-hmm. I um, sneaky played it out here in LA at like a, I go to a lot of like hangouts at houses, and we just share music with each other, sit around in a circle, and you know have one and crackers and whatever and I played it and they're like that was so cool what a melody and I was like yeah that was my first actual song that I wrote they're like what so, <laughs> I like it it's cute it's it's very 17 year old me so when you moved out to LA did you have like a plan did you have a job an apartment mm-hmm. dollars well, in I your had, pocket like <laughs> I did have a good chunk of money because I had been working for like I've been singing yeah. a lot you know so I saved a good chunk so that I could be out here for a little bit and I would be on my feet. So the when I had decided that I was moving to L.A., it was like March of 2016. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't move till September of 2016. So I still like that summer I was, oh my gosh, I sang at every wedding possible. Mm-hmm. I was singing like sometimes eight times a week. So I like some days had three gigs. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was just playing everywhere saving up money so when I got out here I was like a little bit grounded Mm -hmm. um and I had also since I had played out here a couple of times before I had been on tour out here I uh hit up some of the places I'd played at and booked some gigs so I had some gigs scheduled and then I also hit up a bunch of yacht clubs and marina (laughs) clubs and all that and was like hey you know I'm moving in four months I'd love to set up some gigs so I had had some you know dinner dinner gigs and um venue gigs and all that stuff before I came out too just because I had 
you know, it's so much of it is picking up the phone being like, yeah. Hey, you know, and a lot of people are like, yeah, send us your website, send us whatever. Mm-hmm. And since I'd been doing it for a few years, I already had a good track record and they're like, yeah, sure. Come over. You can come play. So I did that. But then after a few months of playing at supper clubs and yacht clubs and all that, I, um, more things came into view. Like the first three months that I was out here, I was doing all that. But then I met uh, somebody who was writing Celine Dion's album. And so he asked me to write it with him. I'm and sorry. So whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa, I'm so, whoa, whoa. We can't just yeah, no. drop Celine in there and then move yeah. on like nothing happened. You well, got to expand. <laughs> I It's L.A. I mean, I was out at a show like. I just kept, you know, if you, you meet so many people when you go out and you just mm-hmm. do things and everybody's involved and this guy, Hugo, he was awesome and funny and we were laughing and, um, he's like, let's get lunch tomorrow. And mm-hmm. we did it. And he told me what he did. And he's like, I'd like to have you sing. Cause what you do when you write an album for somebody who has, mm-hmm. who's a part of a major label, you completely build the song, put guitar on it, drums, bass, mm-hmm. piano, all that. And then you hire somebody to sing vocals for it. And then when you send that to the label, they just mute the demo singer. So I was hired as a demo singer. Then she would mute that and then just sing on top of the song. And then it's done. So that's I was all like, I do. what? Yeah. What? So I did that. But then it turned into writing and we wrote like 16 songs for her. And she held like three, four of them for two and a half years. And then she just, the cool thing is that she didn't, she didn't put out the songs that we had written for her, but we, there was a small group of us who were writing for her. And her main thing was I want it to be women empowerment. I want it to be happy and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want it to sound like Sia. And mm-hmm. so we're like, okay. So it was kind of like industrial pop. Mm-hmm empowerment and so we did that and then um you know I met her whole team I went out to Vegas saw her show and all that oh and my then, god what a dream what a treat I know it was awesome and then we were like the, she released the, her album last summer mm-hmm. and then so our songs were released too so she's like you know I'm not using the songs you can do whatever you want with them you can pitch them to other artists or like you can sing them yourself whatever it is but the cool thing is, is her entire album was written by Sia, which is cool because she, <laughs> that was her whole thing with us. She's like, I want it to sound like Sia. I want it to sound like Sia. Yeah. And then she just, you know, being a queen herself was like, I'm going to go to Sia and ask <laughs> Sia to do it, which is awesome. So I was happy to see that. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. She got what she wanted. And it does. It's funny though. Some of the songs I'm like, that sounds like something we did. Okay. <laughs> that to cool. me. Uh, see, that's things I would have, like, never known that you, like, there's a demo track, and then there's, like, a... Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, like, Beyonce has someone singing demo, and then she yeah. comes in and then just, like, kills it. That's what she does. Oh, it my gosh. It saves time. She, you know, she can listen to it on her own, listen to how the melody goes, and then when she gets into the studio, all she has to worry about is singing it. She knows the song. She's heard it. She's heard somebody's voice on it. Delete that. Put Beyonce in. Song's done. <laughs> Have you, I mean, have you written songs that have appeared on, you know, major pop stars stuff or? No, not, I've written for projects of people who are signed to labels who are like up and comers, Gavin Mm -hmm. Bailey, Ray Zaragoza, Anthony Fedorov, who um, was on American Idol during, I think it was. Uh, he's going to be mad at me for not remembering this, but <laughs> Carrie Underwood, I think he was. Oh, that was worse. like, that was like was back like, in the day. Yeah, it was like 2006. Yeah, that's five, like back, back in the day. So yeah, artists like that. I, I've worked with a lot of um, electronic dubstep people like APZE, Lionel Cassio. I've worked with hip hop artists like Mike Kellogg and um, who else? Joe Quinto, so people who are on the up and up and are doing mm-hmm. their thing, but not not for. Celine has been my biggest thing that I broke for. What a <laughs> what a dream! I because <laughs> what a queen like Celine Dion is like. In, oh my in, gosh. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't even begin to imagine. I mean, was that kind of was that kind of like your first foot? Do you feel like? Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely because I'd only, you know, I'm just a Wisconsin kid playing at 
bars, biker bars, funerals, weddings in Wisconsin. And then I come out here and for three months I'm playing at yeah, clubs and arenas and random venues. And then I meet this person at one of these random venues and he's like, you want to do this? I, you're really talented. And I was like, sure. And then it just kept going. So then like that led to me writing music for my next project so like I have an album that I released in February and there's a song on it Treehouse and Fragile Heart I wrote both of them with this producer who when we were writing Celine's stuff I was also writing stuff for me so that turned into that and then like I don't know it just keeps going and then I started selling out shows out here in LA mm-hmm. and because I kept meeting people and then now my music's on General Hospital on ABC and it's like yeah so this things keep you know I can trace back if I sat here I could tell you every day who I met going all the way back to my Mm -hmm. first day in Los Angeles and how they led me to where I am now so that's that's super incredible because I you know I think I I love I love that part of your story because I think you hear those things it's like oh well you you're just at these places and then you like meet somebody who does a thing and they do a thing and like you're like yeah sure okay that doesn't really happen you don't like just meet people on the streets um but apparently you do (laughs) well I think the thing too that is um like not the perspective is interesting is when we hear about you know super celebrities the thing is is like they'll say I was at this party and I met so-and-so and they're the CEO of Republic Records and they signed me the next week. Mm-hmm. There's so much more before that story. Like, yeah, that's the actual moment that led you to mm-hmm. the moment. But before that, like, whoever was at that party that that, like, let's say it's Ariana Grande or whatever, she had to have known somebody to get to that party. And before mm-hmm. she met that person, she met somebody else. And before mm-hmm. that led to that person that got her to the party. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these other things come it's it's rare where it's like you know I there's so many model stories where they're at a shopping mall and there's some scout and they're like you I'm gonna hire you and set <laughs> like sure that happens but in music a lot of times it's just like we only hear about the exciting moment whereas mm-hmm. for me I can start all the way back at you know I was 10 years old singing on the stage and at my elementary school you know and it's like yeah. okay that's like get past that part it's boring like go to the next thing and it's like okay was at a bar I met this guy and then he asked me to write with for Celine Dion like kind of it happened that way but also not really like I knew the person playing that night that person playing is signed so everybody in attendance at that show is going to be a little bit more involved in the industry Mm -hmm. anyway so then immediately I met more people in the industry because of who this guy is who's Mm -hmm. my friend anyway so you know now, forgive me for not knowing, but are you signed? No, I'm not. I'm completely independent. No manager, no agent. Is that something you want? Or are you, like, loving this independent lifestyle? Oh, say that again. It it Cut out. <laughs> yeah. Is, <laughs> is being signed something that you want, or do you want to, like, stay independent? Depends. I mean, I, I've had meetings with people, a lot of meetings with managers, meetings with agents, labels, everything. Um, so far I have not met somebody or been in, been, you know, inclined to be like, okay, yeah, let's do that. I haven't had an offer come to me yet where I'm completely head over heels in love with Mm -hmm. it. And part of it's because I know who I am and Mm -hmm. I know what my path is and what I want to do. And there's been some people I've met who are just like, okay, let's make you a pop princess. I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm doing. You Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know how to, you know, I was just on tour in Europe last year and I sold out like every single show that I played and that was without anybody. That was just me. So I'm like, can you do that for me? And if you can, what what can you do that's bigger than that? Because mm-hmm. I can do that for myself. So that you know, I'm at the point where I'm I'm picky too. I'm not just gonna be like, yeah, whoever it is. But you know, and and now is a weird time too because we're in the middle of a corona, of coronavirus and venues have no idea when they're coming back yeah. to do shows. So before this, I released my album in February and I went on tour. I played you know, starting in LA and I ended in New York city and 
I booked all those shows myself and I, while I was on tour, was like, okay, when I get back home, I'm going to meet with this management, this management, this management. Mm -hmm. Obviously that didn't happen because we've all been at home, but also too, it's like, well, what good would management do right now? Anyway, they couldn't, we couldn't do anything. (laughs) So I'm also like, it's fine. I don't have somebody right this second because you know, I'm live streaming lullabies every night at 9 p.m. PST. They're really great, though. <laughs> Thanks. So, like, I'm doing that. I'm producing my own music. I'm doing co-writes on FaceTime with people. So it's like, I'm okay right now. There's nothing mm-hmm. to do right now. So, but just keeping, keeping my head down. And but what is, what is that like? Because I can't, so I'm, so someone else who um, I've had on the podcast, her episode's going to get released, um, I think probably before years. Sorry, I, I stack these up and then I can never yeah, remember yeah. when anyone's. Um, but uh, she was just on tour with Hoser, oh, and um, and that's how we met. Um, and because we have a mutual. Wait, who friend. is it? Is it Bylin? Uh, no, Rachel Beauregard. She, Did she play by herself? What do you mean in is life? She, is she a part of a band? Oh, she she used to be. She used to be part of Native Run, um, mm. but it ended like right as she. Uh, got on tour with Hoser. So, um, and I met her and I met her at the Hoser concert when he came to DC. And that was like a whole like production. And I don't know if you're on that scale of (laughs) production, but, um, but I can't imagine doing that by yourself. So what is like booking Managing, sending out things, booking a hotel, flights, buses, trains, planes, automobiles. Yeah. Like, just run me through that. What is that like to do by yourself and practice and sleep and clean yeah, up? Well, I feel so in school, uh, like high school and college, too. I was like a mega nerd. I graduated top 10 in my class. <laughs> I was like going to college and I started freshman year as a sophomore technically because I had all these college Mm -hmm. credits and I was like I'm smart (laughs) so like I already had it in me to be organized it's not about being smart it's about being organized and being like can I set aside time to study for two hours or whatever it is Mm -hmm. so luckily I am somebody who's very I can schedule things really well I can keep myself in line so um in college, it's like as I was getting away from academics and going towards music, I realized it's still the same part of my brain where it was like, you know, when you're studying, you have to, okay, I have to read these books and I have to do this assignment, then I have to do this. You can do it all if you're good with time management. And mm-hmm. that's same thing with music. It's the same skill of like, when I wake up in the morning, I send emails, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this. And then the rest is whatever. But, you know, it's weird because it can be lonely because it's just... If it's like I have a question about something or if I want to do something, I'm just like, hmm, let's consult. Let's consult <laughs> management. That's oh, me. You know, we're like, let's consult agencies. Like, it's me. Um, but I love it. I love every part of it because that because that feeds my organizational part, partially type A side of like, you know, book that hotel, book that flight, call mm-hmm. that person, do this. So it ticks that box. And then the creative person is the product I'm selling is me mm-hmm. and my diary. So <laughs> how do you, so how do you finance all of that? Because I can imagine there is such a benefit to having a, a label or management mm-hmm. team because all of that gets handled through them and you have that backing and that support, but you're an independent artist. So besides mm-hmm. just paying, you know, the hotel and the flight and the travel, whatever, it's like, you also want to pay yourself. Yeah. So, so how do you manage all that? Well, friends, couches, <laughs> <laughs> I rarely, I don't stay in hotels anymore. At mm-hmm. all. I do not do that. I stay at people's. So like this last tour, um, when I played in LA, obviously I live here. When I played in Wisconsin, I stayed at my parents' house. When I played in Nashville, I stayed at my best guy friend's house from high school. When I played in New York, I stayed at my girlfriend's aunt's place. So, like, that helps. And um, flight, I use miles. And when I was in Europe, 
the flight was the only thing I really paid for. Everything else was paid for because their hospitality in Europe is crazy. So if you play at a venue, Mm -hmm. they'll give you a free night stay at their place. Usually most venues have like a room upstairs or the venue owner like lets you stay at their place. Oh, wow. And so, but it's crazy trusted people too. Like that's the other thing I've had to be just more like trusting of strangers in Germany. And I stayed with nobody I knew. They were Mm -hmm. all people I met that day. And it had only been emailing. And so it's crazy trust in people and also doing the um, research of like, there's this place I played in Germany and the guy did not have any, he didn't have Facebook, he didn't have anything, but I could, so I'm like, okay, like I can't even check out this guy and I'm staying at his house with his fiance and I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is going to be like. But I looked at other people who had played at the venue that he was managing. And so I reached out to like four different bands. There was like a band from Australia, London. And I'm like, hey, is is that dude right? Like, is he okay? Like, is he a safe guy? <laughs> and they're all like, yeah, he's great. He's just like older and doesn't like, he can be trusted. You're yeah. Fine. So it's a lot of background checks on mm-hmm. your own and just being careful. But yeah, anytime I can get a deal, I do. And yeah, but traveling my is... I add that into the price when I play at a place. It's like, okay, you have to pay for my expenses. And mm-hmm. on top of that, this, if you want to have me. So do you have, did you have like a mentor? Did you find one when you moved out to LA? Cause I mean, yeah, you had been doing it for a few years in, in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but I mean, I feel like starting out in a, in a new place, especially one that's so industry heavy. Like, did you have anyone showing you the ropes on how to kind of get started? Well, more so in Wisconsin, because when I started singing at my uncle's bar, this guy, Nathan Russell, who's now my drummer in Wisconsin, he Mm -hmm. was my drummer while I was in Wisconsin, but when I just played in Wisconsin, he also played drums for me. Um, He used to be in this band called The Sound and the Fury. What? Really? Oh! Yeah. Yeah, okay. Maroon 5 opened for his band when he was on tour. Yeah! So he, you know, they're a big band, and... So he has a lot of, like, tour experience and life Mm -hmm. experience. But then, like, you know, the band broke up and he moved back to his hometown, which is my hometown. And nobody, like, knows that side of him. They just know him as the cool dude downtown on Main Street (laughs) who has, uh, who teaches piano lessons, drum lessons, and guitar lessons. And then for every high school show and community theater show, you know, he runs sound and has recitals. And he's just, like, a super music dude. But people don't know that professional. He's a very humble guy. They don't know his whole life story. But he was somebody who, when he knew that, that I started singing at my uncle's bar, which was just down the corner from mm-hmm. his studio, he's like, if you want to do this, you can do it. And this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So he, when I was like 15, 16, immediately, because he'd you know, done it, he was like, hey, this is what you have to do. And I was like, okay, cool. And then um, when I moved to Madison, there's people like Beth Kelly and Shondell Marks who aren't big Madison musicians who tour and do the whole thing and have organizations and all this other stuff. And I got lunch with them and talked to them about what my dreams were. And they're like, if you want to do it, this is what you have to do. And then in L.A., most of my friends were all in the same boat. We don't know what we're doing. We're just mm-hmm. creating art and throwing spaghetti at the wall. But uh all of them are inspirations and really help with the path of like how to get mm-hmm. to the new place. So yeah, I have mentors everywhere because everybody I meet is inspiring and has been on a journey and teaches me something. So what has kind of been like the, the hardest part of, of this journey for you? Not knowing, you know, like, uh, it's kind of the same too. No, it's not. I think when you have a degree, <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. let's say you're going to be a doctor, okay? Like, go to school, then you go to school again, then you go to school again, you have your clinicals, blah, blah, blah. Then you're a doctor. The unknown is, like, where am I going to, what hospital am I going to work at? Mm-hmm. Maybe. But otherwise, it's, like, kind of predictable. There's, like, a retirement plan, maybe. There's, like, you know, you have your salary. It's going to be <laughs> this way. Music it's not like that. There's yeah. never... I, every my future is completely uncertain because the risk is so great. So like, you could become Adele the n- next month, or it could keep. Right now, it's just been this steady climb up, 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 mm-hmm. up, up, and it just is like okay, I have to build and jump and da, 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 and get to yeah. the next thing, the next thing, and so that's the hardest part. Is like, I don't. Nobody's 
besides my, you know, my girlfriend and my family and my friends and my mentors who are super supportive emotionally and, um, you know, mentally, all that stuff. I don't have somebody who's like, I, it's okay. I got you. I got this and yeah. we're going to take care of you. And so that's the hard part is like mm-hmm. the part that I love, which is the freedom is also the part that I hate. So how do you, I guess kind of like, how do you tell people that you're a singer? Cause I, I feel like, I feel like if I went up to my parents as I did when I was younger, I'm like, mom, I want to sing. My mom yeah. laughed at me. Um, and, <laughs> Not out of, like, you know, but, like, immigrant household. And just, like, yeah. the, like we have to have, like, a solid job, you know? Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you tell people you're a singer? How do you tell people that you are a creative person? Like, you know, and, and not have them be like, oh, okay, like, do you play at the local Walmart? Like, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah. Kind of thing, so, because if you're not Adele, then who are you? You know? Exactly. Yeah. All we picture is the poor busker on the street, which yeah. I did all the time, sitting <laughs> on the street, or Adele. There's no in between, mm-hmm. which is so it's crazy uh, to think that is. But I understand it. So in LA, it's easy. Everybody's a singer songwriter. Everybody's an actor. Everybody's a YouTuber. Everybody's mm-hmm. an Instagrammer. Like you're not different out here mm-hmm. if you're a singer songwriter. You're with you're the majority. Back home though, it was the weirdest thing. I'd be playing at a wine bar. Somebody be like, okay, it's cute that you do this, but like, what do you do? What's yeah. your job? And I'm like, I just made like $400 tonight and for three hours. Yeah. Like, and you're like, excuse me. <laughs> this is my job. Then I do this four to six times a week. So how much money are you making? Like, what are you doing? Like, that's what I'm doing. Thanks for paying me. You know, like, you're like I'm fine. I will yeah, be having I'm lobster. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. I'm good. Like I just made a bunch of money tonight. Like, and people don't see that though. They don't, they, they just, and I think it's partially society too, is that we've, we have created superstardom and there's no in between. I mean, I have friends even in Wisconsin who like play bass on records and that's like, they play bass on records. They're in bands. They do that. They make a middle-class income, you know, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think like, oh, they're playing at that local venue or, oh, they're doing whatever and they're teaching lessons and they're doing this and they're mm-hmm. doing that. We just don't, that just doesn't show up in the media. I mean, I can't think of a sitcom where the dad is like a guitar player in a local band, but isn't famous. Like we just don't write that in, but a lot of people are. And even out here in LA, like perfect example is my friend, uh, there's so many, this is a tangent, but like, Mm -hmm. have you been watching uh, Bachelor Listen to Your Heart? No, because I refuse. I was like, this is another level of foolishness that I can't invest in. (laughs) Yes. Well, my friend just won it. Yes, I was going to bring that up. I was like, I saw that posted on your Instagram and I was like, see, life is weird. (laughs) It is. But the thing that I'm going to say about that is like, so there's during the show, there's a band that Mm -hmm. plays with whoever's singing. I know all the band members in the band. The piano player is Misty Boyce. She is Sarah Bareilles' piano player. Her husband, Isaiah, played strings on my entire um, album. Oh, my god! Misty is like band members in that band, and they all make great money. They're, they're doing mm-hmm. their thing. They're working hard. It's a different job. It's not a nine-to-five like everybody has in mind. But, yeah, no, I back home I get that more than I do out here. Nobody mm-hmm. questions it out here but um back home you know people think it's like you don't make any money there's nothing to do what are you going to do if you're yeah. Adele you're going to be singing on the streets like there's so many things in between that we just don't talk about talk about yeah I mean I think I think that's such an interesting point to bring up because you're right I I forget about those people in the background who are like no they have to be paid like this is they clearly yeah. have to be paid for their work all of those people it's good money it's hard work because you're in a corner and, you know, nobody's really listening, but they are. They're appreciating you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're making tips. So then you get a free meal and you get a good check and you walk mm-hmm. away. And all you had to do was sing and sit in the corner. That's incredible. I mean, have you done things like that? Like, you know, if we look back at an old episode of something and it's like you just in the corner kind of just being a That's background all singer. I did. That's the only thing I did Mm -hmm. in college. That was it. I'd have like a show on a stage, a proper stage, like once every three months. My majority of my singing career before I moved out to LA, Mm -hmm. even the first three months that I moved in LA, I was in a corner and I have so many gigs where it's like, 
I'd be playing and then, you know, the owner's like, can you turn it down a little bit? I'm like, yep, turn it down, turn it down. I'm really background music. Okay. Um, all right. Well, you know, this game is heating up. It's a final four game. So we're actually going to call it like, here's your check. You can leave. Like mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't need music. And it's, it's like, you're just doing your thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the majority of all of it. Anytime I sing at a bar, it wasn't like people are quiet. I, it's <laughs> everybody talking over me. It's people standing in front of me while they're having, you know, their wine. Or their yeah. Beverage. It's that's, that's the majority of what I did. It's only been recently that it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, on a stage with a band and lights and outfits and all that. Now, do you do you want to be Adele? Is that is that your? Yes. Yes. I would love to. Well, you yes. know, everybody's different. Maybe you, mm-hmm. you want you know you'd be cool with like I'm no because I feel like there are a ton of artists that I really love. Yeah, but they're they're not Adele. I mean, they're doing fine. Like I'm not concerned. There's no GoFundMe, but like. Yeah. You know, but definitely they're not, they're definitely not household names. Like, I'm not going to walk down the street and be like, have you heard that new? And they're going to be like, tell you what you're talking, you know? Well, and more it's like Sarah Bareilles. Mm-hmm. Like, Sarah Bareilles would be more, Mm -hmm. too, where she's like, she wrote all the music for Waitress, like the musical. I'd love to do that. She's a super Mm -hmm. incredible songwriter. Um, She's involved in so many things. So it's more like Sarah Bareilles. I would Mm -hmm. love to be Sarah. Um, and she's mega famous, but she's also, she's not like Adele and you say it or yeah. Ariana Grande or whatever it is. So more like Sarah Bareilles, but yeah, definitely. I want to sing to sold out arenas whenever we can do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows if we'll be able to, I don't know. What was it like to play your first sold out show? Exciting, exhilarating. You can feel everybody in the room. That's the thing too, is like, uh, I'll have so many people after show be like, um, I was there, like, I was there, and I'm like, did you see that, they're like, did you see that one thing? I'm like, guys, I am standing up on a stage, <laughs> I can see all of you, the only thing I'm doing is looking at all of you, you're mm-hmm. all looking at me, one person, I'm one person on a platform staring at all of mm-hmm. you, yes, I saw it, I saw all of you, and so the best thing about that is, like, seeing people react, mm-hmm. hearing people breathing, if there's an emotional part in the song and everybody's silent, I'm like, yeah, they're feeling, you got them. You know. <laughs> what was um? What's like the biggest venue that you've played? Hmm. Well, I played Summerfest in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. It's one of the. It's the world's largest festival. So there were like a few thousand people there. That was awesome. Um, but also, I played the Troubadour in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's like a huge venue, super historic. But yeah, South by Southwest in Austin. So that's, I mean, that's incredible. Do you, do you want to like open for somebody who would be like your, who would be like your top? Oh my gosh, if I could open for them, like I could die now and be happy. Everybody like Brandy Carlisle, Sarah Brellis, Leona mm-hmm. Hobbes. Um, uh, Leona Hobbes. Uh, such a treat. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Legend, I think I'd be a good opener for John Legend because he's like piano, but he's guy. Mm-hmm. He's more R and B, soulful pop, where mm-hmm. I'm more like indie pop. Mm-hmm. Maggie Rogers would just be a blast mm-hmm. to be with. Um, Coldplay, I mean, if I could open for Coldplay, Hozier is a good one. Yeah, a lot of people. I, I, that's like I would. I just want to go on tour and open for people. So. What again, you, whenever we can. <laughs> I know. When we, it's so hot. I know that's the thing. It's like, well, what do you want to do next? It's like, well, I don't know when next is. Right. <laughs> which is why, which is nice because then it's like, okay, then I'm just going to focus on me and creating mm-hmm. so that when it's time to go, like I have all these things ready to go. So that's nice. What has been kind of the biggest unforeseen challenge that you've had? You know, whether it's a, a gig was just canceled and you couldn't get paid for it or you didn't know or you missed your moment or you know something like that um there off the top of my head I was scheduled to play this show at the Roxy which is on Sunset oh wow in Hollywood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can't you cannot call and book there Live Nation reaches out to you or the band reaches out to you I was set to open for this band um and it was like going to be my biggest show ever. Mm-hmm. And besides Summerfest, and then the band canceled their tour, like that tour date, the week before the show. So I was like, 
Oh my gosh. I was just about to play a venue that nobody, you can't book there. Like only Mm -hmm. really big bands play there. So that was really disappointing. But at the same point, then I booked another show for three weeks later at one of my favorite venues, Hotel Cafe and uh, sold out that show. So it's like, whatever, if it wasn't at the Roxy, it's fine. (laughs) So there's been a lot of things little things like that mm-hmm. but every time it's okay because the next thing happens and it works out you know what has been your greatest joy greatest of joy this? there's two one i have fans all over like i have people that listen in morocco i have people that listen in argentina and um india and Sweden and it's beautiful when these people reach out because I'm just like hey like how do you find my music what is that you know so the just the sheer volume of people that my music is starting to reach Mm -hmm. is really cool and I love it um having that community of people who are moved by my music Mm, but then also the other thing is like all these features I keep having like you know music's on general hospital but also it's on like I'm singing on this kids theme song on Netflix called Archibald's Next Big Thing, written by Tony Hale, who's on what? Curb, Arrested Development? Curb Your Enthusiasm? I think it's, Curb, is it Curb uh, Your Enthusiasm? He's also, uh, it's either Curb or, I uh, see, I should know this. But also, <laughs> he's Forky in Toy Story 4. What? So it's like, yeah, so it's like, you know, things like that are super cool. And I love just the LA moments that happen um, like that. So. How do you, how do you feel, you know, when you get those phone calls? Like, hey, you know, we want you to be on you. We want your music to be on General Hospital, like, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Well, and again, like that's the story that I was saying before of like, yeah, my music's on General Hospital, but how it happened is like I met this girl and met this other girl who introduced me to a guy who introduced me to another girl, <laughs> who for a month was pitching piano singers to people mm-hmm. and she, I was one of the people she pitched and the company liked me and they had my music sit in their library for like two years and then finally last year they're like hey General Hospital's been using your music and it's gonna start pinging and you're gonna be paid for it and I'm like cool like it's just been for two years been sitting there and nothing's been happening and then all of a sudden it starts happening so even that it's like it wasn't even a phone call it's, yeah there was a long process behind it and so do you I mean would you say that the biggest thing is like playing the long game because I think that can Mm -hmm. be hard you know yep oh two years is a long time the long game yep oh my gosh it's just stamina keep going what is your kind of advice for burgeoning singer songwriters you know what what would you say to them Find the people in your community who love to do what you do. Like, I found Nathan and I found Beth Kelly, Nathan Russell and Beth Kelly, and they were people who were just had already been doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not known worldwide, they're doing what you have to do in order to get to the next step and in order to become mm-hmm. known worldwide. So just, like, if you're in a small town in the middle of nowhere like I was, just find somebody. Maybe they don't own a studio. Maybe they just teach piano lessons, you know. Maybe they... Um, do something at the local community theater, whatever it is. Maybe it's just your neighbor down the street who plays guitar. Like, go talk to them. See what they know. See who they know. And just find those, create a circle around you. Like mm-hmm. my buddy Danny says, um, you know, I'm always building my empire, always building my empire. So, mm-hmm. like, find those people and just, you know, learn from people. Be willing to listen. And something I'd be remiss without asking, you know, how is it, you you mentioned that your family was like, do you even want to finish your senior year of high school? Mm, oh, so lucky to have that question. Yeah. How did, how did they handle their daughter becoming a singer? Because it's not traditional, and I think it's it's hard for a lot of people and parents to, like, fully support a creative dream that doesn't come with the security, health insurance, like, you know, retirement, all those things. Well, just for a few... Advice on that is, like, if your if your parents don't agree with what you do, but you have this crazy confidence, like, depending on your family dynamic, you might not have any freedom until you're 18 to be able to do what you want. Um, and then when you have the freedom to do what you want, just make sure you're safe about everything you do. Like, if you decide to leave home and move somewhere, like, 
just make sure I'm not moving in with crazy people because I have friends who's most of my friends out here in LA, like their family does not approve of what they're doing, but you know, they, I've had stories of like, I moved into this apartment and there was some, my roommate was really weird. And I didn't like that. <laughs> like, just be safe about what you're doing. Don't get into cars with random strangers. Don't live with creepy people. Like, just be safe if your parents or family don't agree. Just, you know, reach out to me even if you have questions. It's fine. I can help. Um, but for, I know that I'm lucky because my family was, you know, I'd already had a track record of touring and making money and funding things and, um, you know, doing it. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you're talented. There's not a question of it. And you're already doing things. There's not a question of that. I wasn't just like one day never sang before, never written a song, <laughs> never recorded an album, never had been on tour and was mm-hmm. like, that's it. I'm packing my bags. And I'm go-. my parents would have been like, whoa, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they for sure would not have supported that. But since I had already for years been building, it wasn't something new. Mm-hmm. I w- it was a side job that then turned into my full-time job mm-hmm. that made me have to choose. It's like, okay, either school or either continue studying or continue your full-time job. Mm-hmm. My full-time job was at from like five till two in the morning, but like not normal hours. But so I was lucky to have that. Mm-hmm. I still am lucky to have that. And the last question um, that I love asking all my guests is how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Because mm. <laughs> I feel like I just look at people as, you know, humans anyway like whatever your sex or gender but I think um being a woman is just realizing your power because for Mm -hmm. so long you know we've been uh, and we're still we still are fighting for it but um cast aside or we're told we can only do so much so women uh especially women of color especially women of you know who have less money or women who don't come from a crazy family or women who are immigrants or children of immigrants, you, everybody, we have to sit in that power and realize that power that we have of kind of like, let's just rage against the machine, you know, (laughs) let's do it and sit in that because I think sometimes too, it's like feeling really down about like it's a man's world and it's Mm -hmm. a white man's world and it's a this and it's a that and it can it really gets you down it can really get you down but also too the thing that can get us down can also be the thing that gets us angry and when we're angry we there's nothing we can't do yeah (laughs) so just fight fight against the thing that bothers you i love that i do do you have any um well thank you again of course for coming on Do you have anything that you want to shout out or, you know, give props to? Um, Listen to my music online. It's available on Spotify, everywhere. I have merchandise on my on my website, madisonmalonemusic.com slash shop. <laughs> T-shirts, CDs, enamel pins, and I'm mailing them out to people. And, you know, come join me on a living room lullaby, 9 p.m. PST. I'm going to keep doing that and... Yeah, just it's fun to have people be a part of the journey, so come join it if you want. And all this will be linked in the show notes, so it'll be easy for everybody to click and then go check it out. Um, Madison, again, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, And thank thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, If you want to connect to the show, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. If you'd like to email the show because you want to be on the show or you know someone who should be on the show, you just want to say hi, uh, please email us at mtapfpodcast.com. Sorry, PrettyFaceWomen at mtapfpodcast.com. And talk to you soon. Bye-bye.